I I thought we were going to talk about glass onion, but I guess not. Everybody. No, Dustin, I already kind of talked about glass onion. Did you ah, poop? Did did you like it or not like it? No, I liked it. Uh, I think I texted you, or maybe it was the the whole group. I was like, I was like, Ryan Johnson should just do Knives Out movies. That's right. uh, yeah. yeah, that's all. Yeah. That's all I really yeah. want from him. And uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We can, no. We don't. We don't have to go into it. I, we I enjoyed don't have to it. Go into it, but yeah, I did too. Actually, which is crazy i I've, I've heard so many people say it's like it, it's it was bad and i'm like well where, okay where are y'all coming from well not that we now that we're talking about it what that <laughs> kind of shit is uh, like blows my mind because i'm like you're not nobody's watching this thinking they're they're watching like a really good murder mystery right like that's not the whole thing right. is a cartoon like parade of characters and moments yes. between those characters yeah. And, and all tied together by like Daniel Craig giving like the best performance I've ever seen him like be in. <laughs> like, I, you know, I liked the Bond movies. I think there was only yeah. genuinely like one good, good film out of his lineup of them. And uh, I don't know, man. Benoit Blanc, Benoit Blanc is is pretty it's great. It's not a stretch for Daniel Craig to yeah. play a handsome debonair Brit. It's more of a challenge for him to yeah, play right? like a well. No, like he's a not a great. He's a southern. He's a southern gentleman. Leghorn. Right, like he he. Oh, you're saying for Bond? Yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. For, for it's not a stretch for him to play that, but like it is a stretch for him to be like I'm going to play like this kind of socially awkward, bumbling genius. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, the last thing is, uh, I went and rewatched the first. Or I, I watched Knives Out after watching Glass Onion. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this was a much more grounded film. So when thinking about Glass Onion, I was like, this is kind of going cartoony. And I was like, I bet you they're just going to get more and more ridiculous. And then I saw a tweet that was like, please make the third uh, Knives Out movie a Muppets crossover film. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) that would be awesome. Like if they're turning the dial up the way that they seem to or he seems to between films, I'm like, I would watch a Muppets Knives Out film like I would too in a heartbeat. Yes. Only if they bring back Steve Whitmire. Now uh, here's this is true. here's the thing. I, I so I was watching that Red Letter Tonight's Media special guest Benoit Blanc. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. Uh, the, the, <laughs> uh, my issue. I, I was watching the Red Letter Media like part one catch up thing. You know the I for, saw that too. Yeah, and yeah. so they were talking about Glass Onion, and and Jay made like the that that terrible criticism of the movie. I, I just it's one of the criticisms I just don't like. And it is that like, well, you know, the billionaire character is just, I mean, he's, he's clearly playing Elon Musk. And I'm like, do you know how many other, an amalgamation, you know how many you know? other billionaires yeah. there are? Like it's right. I guess not that uh, many, but, but, but like they, they even four. did a, they there's even did a, <laughs> they did a, uh, what was the Ther- Theranos, uh, woman, the, the, the yeah. fraud who went to like her holding the thing, like. It, it's skewering all yeah. the the, the yeah. personality exactly. billionaires. Yeah, Elizabeth yeah. Holm. Yeah, so like, th- th- I was like, is he the only billionaire who seems to like? It just seemed just like, what about him? Is it just because he's the billionaire du jour? Like because Jeff Bezos like retired? Like we can't pick on Jeff Bezos anymore or Jeff Bezos like behavior? I, I was telling Dustin, I was like. It's not that he's Elon Musk. It's just that like he's got to be a billionaire because the thing takes place on a private island. Well, what kind of person owns a private island? A billionaire. What makes a billionaire these days? It's tech. Oh, tech billionaire. So we'll just yeah. 
he'll have like this idea about some water or whatever the shit his invention was. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like that, that that's yeah. all there to justify what's valuable to the modern market and stockholders yeah. in billions. But right. just because it's like six degrees similar to Elon Musk doesn't mean that he's a, he's like a hot take on Elon Musk. Like Tony yeah, Stark right. is more of a hotter take on Elon Musk than, than, than this is, you know, the DNA, his DNA is in there, but like to think that someone would put together a, like a, over, I, I'm, I don't know how much money this movie costs to make, but like that someone a would lot. base all of that around like, this guy sucks, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. That's not the point. <laughs> no. It made it made for a fun mix of characters and a fun yeah. scenario. Like just yeah. watch a funny fun movie and just see people really enjoying playing their roles. Like <laughs> yeah. chill out. Like God. agreed. Did you you can cut this out if you want to. Did you see uh uh Ben Shapiro's like long thread of like why he hated yeah. Glass Onion? And it's like the, see, the worst Shapiro- film criticism I've ever heard in my entire like, life. So so say what you will about Ben Shapiro's politics. His his movie analysis is insufferable. It's one of the garbage. It's, it's, it's so terrible. Like yeah. it is, it is bad. It's one of those things it's, where it's like, even if like I were, inc- it's it's one of those where I'm like, I, I can't trust your analysis of anything. If you really think that Batman v Superman is a better film than Captain America: Civil War, he, is that he, what he said? I believe so. He literally said like. Well, not even to mention the first three quarters of a film is uh, the film is a misdirect. And I'm like, oh, my God, what movie are you watching that like, <laughs> yeah. you're watching a freaking like mystery murder, murder mystery movie? Do yes. you want to know the answer the whole time? You fucking yes. dingus. He's the guy that turns to the bat to the <laughs> last page of the book and reads the last page and then comes back. But he, but he, he, I've heard him admit that like, you know, how he reads so many books, like you, you know, do the speed reading method. And then like other people are like, that's not a thing. You speed reading is not reading. <laughs> you're, you're skimming. You're not actually reading. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, his, his review was absolutely insufferable. Exactly, <laughs> like the main thing was exactly what Kellen said. It was a complete misunderstanding of the genre, a complete misunderstanding of, of. If I could have responded to him, I would have said, "There's a little thing that you learn in like your first quarter of film school." We were on quarters, whatever. Uh, your first mm-hmm. semester of film school that that is provide and withhold. The writer mm-hmm. knows the answers and withholds the answers until the proper time. That's what makes for an engaging screenplay. If the if right. the writer exposits everything up front to you, <laughs> then you have a large exposition dump in act one that slows the whole movie down and then you criticize it for that. Rightfully so. So what do you want? Do you want a movie that you wrote <laughs> and know everything or a movie that is somebody telling you a story and telling it in a way that's entertaining? Because you right. can't have both. It's like the you know information withheld like he equates it to lying and he like hates people that lie to him or something. Like I like yes. I can't yes. imagine why you wouldn't like a twist in a movie that is literally all about riding twists and turns. This yes. So dishonest. I think like, told I me can't about one thing. You lied to me, you film. And then it, it and then it told me that other things he were happening instead. It. Oh my god. You lied no, to me. Not, not only not uh, only was uh, that not the woman, it was her sister and not only did she not die, she she lived. How, how dare you? Z- I didn't Zero know stars. she had a sister. That's the well, whole point. Some great writing. We're telling Why you wasn't now. I told this in Discovery. 
(laughs) (laughs) I object, Your Honor. (laughs) Overruled, Mr. Shapiro. It's a film. Go home. <laughs> and he's doing more. He's doing more of that. Like I, I keep seeing headlines where it's like Ben Shapiro reviews yeah. whatever, and I'm like, who cares? Yeah, the, the YouTube algorithm like shot one at me the other day, and I was like, what is this? What is, is he? Is he making? Is he doing reviews now? And I was like, oh boy. So I, I, I the the only one I saw on YouTube was it was said like the the. What we expect from movies in 2023 or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way on earth I'm clicking on this film, on, on this no, YouTube thank you. thumbnail. No, how thank many, you. How many times do you think the fucking word woke got used in that yes, damn video? One million times. It's like, if I have to see another female protagonist. What what happened to a good protagonist like Ellen Ripley? Oh, she was a woman. Oh, fuck. Oh. That was the 80s. Oh, fuck. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, speaking of Ellen Ripley, speaking of um, Sigourney Weaver. Hey, what a transition. Hey. Look at that. I did have a, I do have a quick recommendation that has something to do with the environment a little bit, actually, um, before we get into talking about Avatar. So I watch a show called Meat Eater. Um, it's about hunting, hunting and fishing, uh, con, you know, a little bit of conservation, but the show is about hunting and then cooking the wild game, which I love watching people cook it. Um, so the newest season of it was, was, was dropped, you know, whatever, a couple months ago, season 11. And that show has been on a couple of different platforms before the past, like several of them were on Netflix. And then this year they were like, yeah, we're not going to put it on Netflix. It's going to be on our website. And the only reason I'm bringing this up, like, okay, of course I recommend Meat Eater. Like, you know, if you enjoy watching hunting shows or you already are familiar with the brand or the people, you know, you can, you go to their website and watch it. You give them your email address and you, you watch the episodes for free. But here's the thing. The reason I thought this was worth bringing up Dustin and Kellen <clears throat> was because I it, it occurred to me that like there was a short discussion to be had about online, like independent content distribution. You know, mm-hmm. like the the concept of like, I don't know why they decided to take it off Netflix, why they decided not to pick it up or if, or, if, or if they decided if Netflix said we don't want to like, you know, license the show for the next season or what? I, th- I think it probably cuts down on some overhead. I don't know. Um, but what was, what pissed me off was like, I was trying to watch it on my TV and I have a smart TV, but it took me forever to like use the browser thing on the, on a television type, type in a URL, <clears throat> click and move with like a, you know, a remote and give they my email put address. It on YouTube? And, and that's the thing I was like, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. And it, it, yeah, airplay, it was, it was, my man. It was not, but airplay is tricky with me because sometimes there's like a delay. Oh, I yeah. don't know. Uh, so anyway, but like I, I remember, I was watching. I was like, I only watched one episode on that TV. The rest of them I just watched on this computer. Um, so I don't know. Dude. I don't really know. What my question is to you guys, except like you know, when things like that happen, it's like, hey, that's cool, but but boy, like the experience of watching this is just not easy. And yeah, like there's something yeah. to be said for like put you know working out a deal with Netflix or mm. yeah or Kellen like they have a YouTube channel they put shows on there all the time just not the main show and I'm just like yeah why not 
Like, yeah, I mean, you said free and I was like, well, then there's absolutely no reason right. why not. Um, yeah. but, uh, uh, this is only tangentially related and this is not news by any means. Obviously, this album came out in 2007, but uh, Radiohead put out. Uh, do you guys remember the story about I woke up one morning because Ben Wright, my roommate, had purchased the new Radiohead album, which was yes. pay what you want, get it on our mm-hmm. website and you just download the files like g- mm-hmm. give it to people for free. We don't give a shit. Yeah, um, and right. he started playing it like 530 a.m. before his class. And I was like, anyway, <laughs> so like the the <laughs> self distribution model, I mean, I think it makes more sense for music, which doesn't need a screen. Um, but even then, you have to be. Yeah. For that to be a functional business model, like you already have to be gigantic. Like Joe Schmo yeah. couldn't be like, I'm releasing my album on this website. Pay what you want. And people will be like either zero dollars or and I don't care about you, so I won't do it. So like a show <laughs> like that, which probably doesn't have a huge following, I'm like, you need a distributor, man. Like, Yeah, it's the equivalent of self-publishing your book. But when you self-publish your, your book, you still stick it on Amazon to sell it, yeah. right? Yeah. And you charge like three bucks for your book or whatever it is. But yes. like a distributor. It, it, but it's a distributor. But it, this is like the equivalent of that. It, but it, it still reminds me of like the internet pre YouTube when you would have a website and then host your videos on your website with a quick time player or whatever. Mm-hmm, right. And like that's what that's what this reminds me of. The problem is if you're going to do that. You have to put money in the uh, in the UI. So uh, essentially, make it as easy and as seamless for your customers as possible. Don't make them have to enter the URL on their smart TV. Don't make them have to do whatever. You you literally it's it's easy enough now to to create an app on your phone. And so you create an app that's the meat eater app or whatever, and all the episodes are there and you can cast it to your TV. You can watch it whenever online or off, whatever. And all we ask is that you sign up for our newsletter or all we ask is that you donate what you want or, or whatever it might be. I mean, you could charge for it, but, but that's sort of the self-distribution model that, I've seen work before. So this reminds me of a few years ago, there was a series, I think it's still going called the chosen, which was a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a serialized, uh, retelling, uh, fiction, fictionalized, well, like uh, expanded view of, of the, the synoptic gospels. Um, and it's like, telling a long form story using the pieces of the life of Christ, whatever. And right. so, uh, and so they, they self published, they created an app. You could use the app to download the episodes and then cast it to your TV, watch it on your phone, whatever. And then eventually they were bought by a distributor um, because they proved in their, you know, through their app that they had the sales. But the, the, the thing that that had going for it was, and they've got a built-in audience. It's the same thing that like why you see like um, Tyler Perry movies have historically done so well is there's like a built-in audience for that that type of content. Um, and then with Meat Eater, though, it, presumably they have some sort of a following. Yeah. Um, and you would think then that you use the self-published model not as an ends but as a means to secure a new distributor so that eventually – that becomes, you know, your proof of concept, like, hey, this works because our app has, 
however many million downloads, you know, 1.5 million downloads on the app alone. So invest in us and, you know, distribute our title Hulu. And then Hulu says, oh yeah, great. Sure. It'll drive traffic to our site and done. Right. Like that. It's a, it's an, it's a means, not an end. And I wonder if their thing was like, I wonder if Netflix, if their, um, if, if their terms are, look, if you, if it goes through through us, it has to only be available here. And I wonder for them, it was like, well then no. But to that point, yeah. then if if your thing as as meat eater is, no, we want it available everywhere. Why isn't it everywhere? Why is it only on yeah. the website? Yeah. You put it on yeah. YouTube, put it, you know, put it in, in a Google Drive somewhere and give us all a private link, you know. I mean something. Is, right. Is yeah. it a is right. it a is it just syndicated or is it like actually new content? It's new content. Out? Yeah, it's new content. Okay, that's that's weird. I was yeah. confused this whole yeah. time. I was like, Okay. And normally, yeah. And so if it's like a book or podcast, like, you know, like this podcast is on multiple platforms. Like if for some reason it got taken off of Spotify. Um, wasn't it a, was, was a book? I thought you were reading. Wasn't there a book called this? What? The Mediator? Yeah. Maybe I'm confusing. No. That. I remember seeing one of your recommendations. On oh, books, well, but- uh, so the one, the, the, the guy who kind of started the Stephen Ranello has written a couple of books. Uh, one of them is about, one of them is about the Buffalo. The other was about it was like a sort of like a sort of like a parenting book. It was about gotcha. you know, getting kids outside basically. Um, they're both really good. Dustin's got one. Um, yes, I do. But uh, uh, yeah, like, but the, the brand has been around for 10, 15 years and it's gotcha. just sort of grown into, you know, multiple podcasts, multiple shows, lots of articles, you know, it's a whole thing, but yeah, that's yeah. the thing they have. They certainly have the content to justify an app. And my first thing was like, if there was an app, I could just put it on my phone and I'm sure their player is a lot more intuitive than a web interface. It just seemed weird. So I don't know. Yeah. I suppose I, yeah, I should be sure. emailing them all these things. I'll just send them a link to this episode. Do it. They'll totally listen. I yeah. feel like, I feel like, uh, I need to start sending or talking to you about, uh, food and nature documentaries now, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know who Michael Pollan is? Mm-mm. Really? Oh. I'm probably allergic to him though, because I call <laughs> Michael Pollan. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, he has. A, there's a really good one on Netflix. It's seven thousand bees in a man costume. Michael Pollan. <laughs> it's like that, 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 that Instagram reel I sent you guys of the, the guy who's who's a pile of ants. Like, yeah, that, that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna make a series of tunnels and live in. Ah. Uh, it's on Netflix. Oh. It's called Cooked. It's really Cooked. good. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've been cooking a lot more. So like and I'm a big part of that was meat eater. I'd like watch them like cook something big. Oh, wait, did you say hooked or cooked? cooked. Now I'm confused. It's cooked it's all with a C. It's, yeah, cooked. It's Beads. all about <laughs> Beads. Beads. Uh, it's it's all about like different cultures and uh, like the different means in which they cook their food. Um, one of them. Mm. One of them is actually about like uh, uh, Southern barbecue and stuff, too. So anyway, uh. I'm in now there. Here's what I do like about this, having the media episodes on their website. I can go back and watch the seasons that are no longer on Netflix. One of which they shoot them. They, they kill a monkey like down in South America and they eat that. This what? thing's like on a spit over a fire and it, you know, it looks kind of like a person. So you're like, Oh, and even he was like, geez, it's cause it's illegal in a lot of countries to do that. But down there it's not, you know, and he was like, I remember Steve, Renell was saying something like, um, says this is the only thing I've shot where I've been like I've, I've felt a little weird about it like it's kind of freaked me out a little bit but then he you know they're eating it and he yeah. goes oh it's really sweet though like the meat is and it's like yeah because all they do is like climb around and like eat fruit and then like I was like 
I was watching that. I was bananas, like, oh, yeah. I'm so hungry. I can't. <laughs> I got over it immediately. I was like, I'd like to eat some monkey. Maybe like All that's right. the closest thing to human meat. I bet you we taste sweet too. Uh, from no, what I hear, no, we're, we're very, going in a weird direction. We're very bitter. We're going in a really weird direction. And the only reason oh, I say Dr. that. <laughs> I got to give quick context to why I've heard that said, because I don't like talk to cannibals, but like science shark scientists will be over <laughs> and over again. Cannibals. <laughs> I, I refuse to talk to cannibals. If you're a cannibal, don't talk to me. No, thanks. <laughs> no. You can keep it to yourself, Mr. Cannibal. <laughs> sorry, Connor, go on. I'm sorry. Oh, you're right. Talk I, to I, the I, hand, Mr. Cannibal. Uh, but but don't eat it because you might. But don't eat my hand. <laughs> Jeez, I could I could You're keep right. throwing I, us on to tangents. I I deliver that in a very sassy way. I apologize. Um, no, I just I, whenever you hear like shark scientists talk about like you know why why sharks don't want to eat us they just kind of like it, they bite us for a second but they're not and they're always just like you know human like human meat is very bitter and we don't taste good and I was like. Okay, that's reassuring, but what a weird thing to say. All right. Anyway, let's get <laughs> Sounds like someone know? who doesn't want you to eat human meat. They want <laughs> it all like for someone, themselves. We, exactly. We taste, we taste awful. Yeah. <laughs> goes, say, um, that, that's what my dad people. used to do with pound cake. Oh, this is awful. You don't want any of this, Dustin. <laughs> and then yeah. I go, I do want some, Dad. It's sweet. It's not all bitter right. at all. Hey, not not to derail us again, but Kellen, I just have to know: Did you watch the Who Killed Santa Murderville thing on Netflix? Oh, the special! I didn't. Yeah. I forgot okay. all about it. Is that uh, your recommendation? Mind. No, I gave it two and a half stars. But oh. it was with um, it was with uh, uh, Jason Bateman, Bateman, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's if you if you like Arrested Development, like Kellen and I do, um, where those smartless. first three seasons are are a masterpiece. Then, oh yeah, they're or smartless. Um, then, then is it yeah, Sean you, Hayes you the might dead get something Santa? out of it. Yes, that is yeah, correct. I found that out this um, morning. Uh, but, uh, but you will see, uh, I almost said Michael, you will see Bateman do Job's chicken dance, which is great. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Tight. So, yeah, Sigourney Weaver's in Avatar. A koodle doodle do. Let's talk about <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water. I feel her. I hear her heartbeat. She's so close. So what does her heartbeat sound like? I see you. 
water connects all things. Before your birth and after your death. This is our home! I need you with me. And I need you to be strong. All right, so this this is obviously the sequel to Avatar, the 2009 film by James Cameron. This one, once again, written, directed by James Cameron, screenplay by James Cameron. And then I didn't, I mean, I didn't know this. Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, who I don't know if you know who those people are. They're the ones who like kind of re-kicked off the apes, the Planet of the Apes movies, like the Rise of the Planet mm-hmm. of the Apes. I think they wrote okay. the first one. I think they have story by on the other two because of all the, because mm. all the, you know, the character creation and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, they're solid. So maybe, I don't know. I haven't seen this. You two saw this. So I don't have yes. anything to say about it really. So I, I'm going to wait for you. Do you want us to keep it spoiler free? No, 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 no. It's cool. It's cool. Hey, I mean, unless it's, it's the best a, twist of all time. <laughs> No, it's such a f- it's such a flimsy plot that you can explain the plot in two sentences. Yeah, actually, that's a to challenge. So? Uh, Dustin, Dustin, <laughs> do do a synopsis in two sentences. Oh, don't put me on the spot like that. I mean, Ooh. I'll try after you. Okay. Uh, Stephen Lang has returned to uh, Pandora. And chases Jake Sully and his family to a new tribe in the Water Tribe lands. That's one and sentence. Oh, oh, it's a run-on sentence. Oh, Here we oh, go. It's okay. a run-on sentence. Okay, no. Period. <laughs> period. Period. Right there. Next sentence. While there, comma. <laughs> 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 Jake Sully and his family must navigate new friends. Ah, navigate. New loves. And learning the way of whale, the way of water (laughs) in Avatar, the way of water, (laughs) the way of whale, the way, the way of whales. No, no, no. They're, they're Tolkoons, not whales, Dustin. Tolkoons, the way of Tolkoon. J.R.R. Tolkoon brings you, um... (laughs) Uh, anyway, I don't know. Uh, no, so they they go to this they go to the water tribe land, um, and then they have to figure out how to b- live there away from Stephen Lang. But then that dude comes back, man, and he finds them there, and now they got to fight. Gotcha. How long has it been between four it, thirteen years? Okay. Oh, but well, oh, oh, for oh, the but plot. in the film, yeah, within the I, story. I think they're probably doing like 16-ish. Yeah, their kids are teenagers, so... Like the oldest brother, he's the oldest one, right, Dustin? Yeah, yeah. He he seems like 17-ish or something. Yeah, something like that. this is the Navi. I don't know how their physiology works and biology works. It says here 14 years on Wikipedia. Okay, then they age a little faster because ain't ain't no way that older brother was 14 as far as human years go but no. uh to no. to i guess uh, flesh out what dustin was saying um instead of finding a new villain or a new conflict that they need to um overcome 
Stephen Lang's character. I don't even remember the name of him. The the brash, cartoonishly evil military guy from the first movie wakes up in the body of uh, what do they call them? Uh, uh, the Ava, oh, the Nav- Avatar Navitar. Uh, he wakes up in a Navitar body with a screen of Stephen Lang telling him, like, I bet you're wondering how you got here. It means I'm dead. And now you are the real me because that's all that's left. And it was on a like I, a hard I've, drive. I've implant. I've implanted all my memories before the climactic battle in the first film into but you this. Yeah. But you don't yeah, remember so, the that your death because that wasn't on the backup. So so go back to the first <laughs> film right before that fight happens. He puts all his memories in a Navi body. In case I die, I want all my spite and hatred saved on a hard drive in case I die and I need that mission continued. I'm a horrible racist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a horrible racist, but I would love for all of my memories to go into the type of person I hate. So so I'm doing really bad at, at filling out the synopsis and not just shitting on the movie do, already. Do you, but do, you, like, do you remember in the last Star Wars movie when it says somehow Emperor Palpatine returns? <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So, so really like picture me being like, all right, buckle in. It's going to be three hours. You really love three hour movies. Oh, you really love putting 3D glasses on. All right. One of the first scenes uh, that sets up the story is we couldn't come up with a better antagonist so we're just doing it again and he's blue now um and that's really it like nothing that the navi achieved in the prior film stopped the the onslaught of america uh americans uh well basically of uh (laughs) of um uh, sky dwellers i think they call them sky people coming to the planet so like skywalkers there was no victory in the prior film um and they are getting pursued. And so to save the rest of the tree Navi people, Jake Sully and his family of his wife, two sons, Sigourney Weaver's Navitar had a immaculate conception baby for whatever reason that isn't explained. And then their daughter, um, they yeah. all leave and go to this other tribe that is like literally a different race of Navi. They look different. They've got like webbed fingers and all this stuff and they're water based and they gotcha. live and there. They live more there Gen until Z. they're what? They're a little more Gen Z. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a kid movie. <laughs> it's a movie about a bunch of kids just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they track them there and they have a, like a big, you know, climactic fight. fight. There's no, yeah. like, there's no there's nothing there. And that's my big criticism is that <laughs> I saw a lot of really pretty shit. And I think that's the point of the movie. And I get that that's probably the point of the movie. But I was it, I don't know. It just felt real dead. And I feel so bad because of all the creative talent that had to go into making the movie look as good as it did. I just yeah. it's just not for me. And that's my review. I'd give it a. Three and a half purely on a completely like technical and and visual impressive standpoint. Yeah. yeah. The story. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. yeah. So I I did I gave this four stars. I but but it, it's the same thing. It's bolstered by the technical achievement where we talked in our last episode about smile and how Kellen was talking about seeing 
or was it Connor? I don't know who is somebody was talking about. Somebody was saying it was Kellen talking about with the the therapist that was walking, and then you like you just see that shot happening, like how it would happen. Um, there's none of that here for me because I can't tell what was really shot and what wasn't. I'm assuming most of it was. Yeah, I don't. I don't most think of hardly it any of it was real. Yeah. But but like the seams are so seamless, um, I it, it's it's a really big technical achievement. Um, and I know everyone said that about the first one. I never felt that way. I did not like the first movie. I've only ever seen it the one time in theaters. I think and the same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just didn't care for it. It, it was like this, this isn't for me. This one I liked a little more, but it's not because of the story. It's because of the technical achievement of it. The story has some pretty big issues. Um, I felt like Jake Sully was n- not the protagonist of the film. It's like his son's story. Um, yeah. And, and, but that wasn't as uh, fleshed out as it should have been if that was going to be the crux of it. And it, and structurally wise, like if, if you're talking about the structure of the screenplay, it takes too long to get to him, to focus on him, to really allow you to latch on to him. And then everything that happens is incredibly uh, predictable to the point where it kind of loses its yeah, value. I was not bit. surprised at anything in the film. Yeah, I, I heard somebody say this is like the the most expensive CW show ever made because the like a huge part of it is just like him being like, hey, I like that girl and I like that whale. I'm going to go chill with that whale and talk about that girl. And, and his like, dad's like, don't chill with that whale. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, Tolkien, dad. You don't understand do me, dad. <laughs> yeah. And and Zoe Saldana's there like but she does nothing. And, um, and then like thing, maybe my biggest complaint about the the story is things happen, but very rarely do they have a reason to happen. Um, so Stephen Lang is back. Why? Eh, he just is right. Yeah. There's hardly a reason for it. They go to the water people. Why? Eh, because this movie is about water. Um, because it's a James Cameron film. Well, yeah, and, that's and, exactly, yeah. and they like didn't they develop like an underwater mocap? It's yeah. basically what. How can yeah. we push our filmmaking technology? How do we wrap well, a story around that? Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah, I'll talk. And about then that it, in and a it's second. like, and it's James Cameron being. It, it literally plays a little bit like a James Cameron greatest hits because there's just enough of like aliens t2 in here to like make you feel like oh this is james cameron and then he's like oh but also remember titanic and there's a lot of titanic in here and there's like a capsizing boat with water screaming in and like Uh it's like oh seen that before and then it's like hey remember avatar well this is also avatar and so it's just like james cameron being like hey remember the abyss yeah there's even abyss stuff going on in it yeah Yeah. so it plays like a james cameron greatest hits record um does he have terminal cancer no he they just said he's gonna write three more freaking movies like is this really his last film yeah (laughs) yeah um this okay? is a culmination of my entire career yeah um it even but has Jim, there's three more yeah, yeah you're yeah. sure somebody sure mentioned that is. offhandedly and i was like i'm so over the queen lady voice acting yeah. stunt casting it's yeah. so annoying just hire someone who specializes in that because yeah. she, you know she didn't give a bad performance but it didn't matter that it was kate winslet and that money could have 
Yeah, I mean, she probably got paid way too much. I didn't know until afterwards. I was like, I, I thought Kate Winslet was in that. And somebody was like, oh, yeah, she was the lady. And I was yeah. like, who? And I had to Google it. And I was yeah. like, oh, that lady. OK, gotcha. Um, the lady that has like 12 lines. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. We get somebody with some like, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those weird things where it's like if you're going to use the person and make it look more like the person. But that, that's the, don't do that because then you're Robert Zemeckis. So yeah. like I watched, I watched like a the ABC 2020 did like a, a a thing on this. So I watched some of that, and I watched a couple other like you know behind the scenes things for this. And so I I think I've seen the first film like two or three times. Probably it's one of the first Blu-rays I own because it was 2009, and I you know oh, um, you know I, I've. James Cameron comes up when I talk about John Favreau these days because I've accused John Favreau of, and I'm not mad at him. Like you know, most of what he's doing seems to be in the service of pushing forward technology. Like John Favreau has earned his stripes as a storyteller, and he certainly deserves whatever success has co- is coming his way. However, lazy or un- or unnecessary some of it is, you know, like Lion King or yeah, um, some of the other stuff that you know he's involved with, you know. I like John Favreau, so I'm not mad at him for taking a blank check from Lucasfilm and being like, okay, cool. I guess I'll just go play for a few yeah. years. Um, yeah. But I, I I liken it a lot to James Cameron because it's like he is in it and and many filmmakers are in it for the technical. You know, directors all have their strengths. And for people like James Cameron and John Favreau and some other people, it's it's really has less to do with story and it has more to do with technology tactical yeah, yeah and like yeah. and, and yeah. just the, the old school like film you know movie going experience um and a bunch of patents probably that come out of making movies like this which is i'm sure yeah. a lot of how you convince a studio like disney and fox like to sink this much money into all these projects it's like we're going to own you're going to co-own the patents of a ton of new software that's going to get used for decades and that's how you forget the box office they're going to be using yeah. this water, this water mocap tech until someone, probably me, invents another one, and then you can own the license <laughs> on that one too. Like, it, oh, that, you're that, saying that yeah. as, as James Cameron? I thought you were yeah. saying it as Connor. Not me. No, it's I'm probably not. going to be me. <laughs> no, no, probably me. I'm going to make Avatar three. <laughs> No. The way of Hooper. No, I didn't even realize Skype could have three-way calls until recently, so <laughs> it won't be me. Three-way um, calls, underwater mocap. It's it's, it's a logical connection. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. No, um, so like it's one of those things where it's like to me, you what everything y'all are saying makes is is meeting my expectations of what the movie is. Like I, I'm yeah. not expecting a gangbuster story. I just expect that it's going to be a technically beautiful film and that I'm going to be impressed with how it was made and the implications of what comes out of it. Like, like you're saying, like if you look at the behind the scenes, like you're right, like hardly any of it is real except for like, if they're running on some log, there's like a big green, you know, key green log they're running on in these suits and everything. But like everything else about how these movies are made, like, the way they're standing isn't even that important because they could just decide, yeah. ah, they're stooping too low. They can change the character's posture. It's the face, it's yeah. the performance, and it's really, really good reference. Yeah. But I, one of the things that bumps me on stuff like this is like they're showing a side by side of like, you know, Zoe Saldana and, and Neytiri. 
and I see the performance and I can see that it's coming from this take, but I'm still like, I don't like that, that some of her performance is being lost from the transfer of the human footage to the Navi, um, Mm -hmm. stuff. And, and part of it was like, is it the technology? Is it that the technology is not good enough? Because, and it's like, no, it's not the technology. It's the character design. If you look at Josh Brolin and Thanos, like Thanos is humanoid. Like he's, he has a chin, he has a nose, he has eyes. Like he, he has a a pretty much a human anatomy. So things that Josh Brolin is doing, lots of subtleties can make it into that performance. But when you like, when you character map, I'm sure you guys know about this to an extent, like when you care, when, when you like, when you design a character, like, especially when they're shaped, when they have faces like the Navi, it's different. The muscles aren't going to be in the same place as they are in people. So a subtle affectation from Zoe Saldana as a person can't transfer to Neytiri because they don't have the same muscle structure. But then you go, all right, what's more important? Like being true to like the anatomy of this character or like trying to, mm-hmm. to, to get some emotion out of this actor, you know, into this performance, yeah. if you really want to impress me with the, with the technology. Yeah. I, I watched, I watched James Cameron's masterclass recently and I watched a ton of behind the scenes on all of this. So I, I'm very impressed with him as a filmmaker, just, you know, for all the obvious reasons, everything that he's done and everything he, he was able to do in the earlier part of his career. And of course, all the way through all of these films, like he, he's certainly like one of the greats, like, but he's, to me, it seems like he's in that part of his life where he's like, he secured a gigantic deal with a gigantic company wherein he can spend the twilight of his career, you know, playing with toys and making them cooler and better. And, you know, the, the film that he's expected to make from all that playtime doesn't have to be even that good. It just has to be, it's just a a proof of concept that Disney can monetize. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and as far as what this film has made, I mean, this says 1.7 billion. I'm guessing that's worldwide. Um, I don't know if that's a good enough or not. I mean, I know it, that it it's, is. It's it's yeah. It it yeah. broke profitability like Finally. last week or something. I know that it was yeah. like it was like a disappointment when it first came out, or they're lower than expected or something like that. But as Dustin, yeah, and but I, it's gonna we, have a long tail to it for sure. It's got yeah. a long tail, not and the, we were we were talking, Dustin, how like these days, like you don't even. it's all about the verticals like whatever this movie makes again my software theory and patent theory aside toys parks you know the other films that it builds momentum for like i don't i'm i mean let's not forget this is like a 13 year old sequel you know i mean like parks will be a big thing if disney can see an uptick in merch sales at the parks and like ticket sales at the gate then yeah. of, of Animal Kingdom, then they'll justify the film like getting a sequel. Yeah. And I also think that this like having like what three more sequels coming. Yeah. Right. Like so yeah. this is the first of what's gonna be not giant gaps between films anymore. I mean, this was supposed to yeah. come out last year. They delayed it because of COVID. So like, you know, it's not like there's going to be 13 years between every film and we're going to walk into them equally unenthused, you know, like the, the, yeah. the next film's going to be out like in two years or one year or something. It's like, I, I think, I think Sam Worthington said they're like 
through filming the next one. So presumably there's still a year or two of VFX. Um, oh, geez. I thought they'd shot them all already. No, no, no. 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 I know that they're, I know that they can shoot them quickly. They were they said I, one of the I, things this enables is that you can shoot them very fast because there's just you eliminate all the time that's killed by yeah. multiple setups. I think I did read that James Cameron sh- shot out the kids um for the series. Size. So that they age. wouldn't age out because he, I think you specifically mentioned like the Stranger Things problem, which was the kids grew outgrew the roles and yeah. the show had to change. Yeah. So with the, he wanted to avoid that. And I'm like, why Sigourney Weaver's playing a 14 year old in this right. movie? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You Who don't cares? need to do that. Yeah. So, oh, finish your thought. Sorry. No, that, 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 that oh. was it. I mean, like, that, that, I, but my whole point being like, for what it is, it sounds like it's. I don't know if it's if if you guys would recommend people see it in theaters. I mean, I'm sure it's probably better seen in theaters than anywhere else. Um, that that actually leads me to my point is that um, I mean, obviously, films are always subjective. I I do think that you know you can touch on some things as a someone who knows the medium and stuff and and have some authority to what you say about it. Um, this is one scenario where I'm like, I guess I recommend it purely because of what you said, Connor. Like it's it's a tech demo for what you're going to see in movies to come kind of thing. Yeah. But it also reminded me that like my so my brother uh, and you guys can relate to this now that both of you uh, are fathers. He's got two kids and he never has a single you know moment to go to a movie like they don't use babysitters all that much because the, their youngest is like six months old and you know yeah. it so yeah. he told me he was like um i i haven't seen movies i haven't given a shit about movies in so long and i told my wife that i wanted to go see this movie when it came out so i she i carved out four hours and i went saw it in 3d and he was just like it, it it's um he was definitely in it for the spectacle. And granted, he's been a little bit deprived of that for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, right. He'll talk to me about video games that he's played. And I'm like, dude, that came out like two years ago. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> I can relate. So I played this he, game called Super Mario Brothers 3. And, and so so if you guys know me and I'm cynical, my brother is like my cynicism to the next level. Yeah, and right. he he and I, most of our conversations are just about how shitty this this product was or this was terrible and i was like my brother is telling me to go see avatar and it was just because of what it was as a spectacle to him at that time like i get the people who haven't been in theaters for very long who are you know even even if they do go to theaters it's just seeing a marvel movie after marvel movie and it's not to say that avatar is super original it is a sequel to something that has a giant multimedia campaign in the form of you know, there's parks and there's right. per- merch and stuff All so the it's verticals. it's still one of those things um yeah but i guess it's what you call an event film and you know everybody jokes that the first one had no like long lasting hold on the cultural zeitgeist or anything like that um and i guess it's true but everybody saw it still so i think everybody's gonna see this so like <laughs> Go for it. Um, uh, I forgot what my final point was. Oh, related to that. I just kind of realized that like. I don't think I really need to see movies in theaters all that much anymore. Um, I have a couple of friends like my friend Meg. She would like roll her eyes and scream at me for saying that because she 
love seeing films in theaters. She mm-hmm. goes and sees things in theaters that she wouldn't watch on her own because she wants to be in an audience with it. Like she just saw Megan. Uh, it's funny because her name is Meg. Meg. And I was like, I would never, ever watch that movie. Like and she's like, yeah, but I was like, it's, it looks so stupid. And being in yeah. a room with other people would make me feel dumb with them, like for having paid money to go. That's just me as an asshole. But I guess what I'm saying with my recommendation is that it's highly subjective. And if you want to sit there for three hours and watch a movie that needed to be edited, uh, go for it. Um, (laughs) It does bring me to another point, but I want to let everybody do their recommendations. I want to talk about movie lengths and where we stand on what happened to the 90 minute film. I I want to say something real quick to piggyback on your, on, on that, that perspective, because I I'm between, I, I agree with both you and her. I would only watch Megan in theaters with an audience because I want to hear I want to, I would like to experience that, those highs and lows with other regular people, you know, but to me, I've said this on the show before, I think, but like, I'm also at the point, I mean, I have like zero time. Um, and so like, to me, the fact that most of this stuff is eventually coming to a streaming service I subscribe to, like with Avatar, I was like, okay, well, it'll come to Disney Plus and I'm not, I, I, if, if, even if it wasn't, I wouldn't be going out to see it because I'm not really that interested or invested. Um, but like so much of how I digest movies now is just purely like story beats. Like the biggest thing I care about when I watch movies is our story beats. And I mean, obviously there's visuals to where you, you seeing them on paper is not exciting. Like I wouldn't want to look at, I'd look at the, you know, rogue nation or any of the mission impossible movies on paper and be like, Oh, those are cool story beats, but they don't compare like seeing a motorcycle chase, obviously. But what I appreciate about things on repeat value is that's just such a good story twist. So like I tell Dustin and I was thinking about this anytime we talk about a movie, like when I think about whether or not a story works, I just think about if I read this in a book, would I think it was a good decision and the execution can be flawed, but the idea can still be good. So I take all that to mean the way I see movies now, I don't get a lot of value in the long term from seeing them in theaters because the majority of my digestion of them, if I see them again, is at home already. And it's mostly on reflection on the story and not so much um, visual execution for the most part. There's clear, there's, there's exceptions, but, but yeah, I, uh, I can relate to that perspective um, from you and I can relate to your brother and that like, you know, sometimes there is a thing where it's like, I gotta go out and see that. I want to see that right now, but it's yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's I why I'm my recommendation, I think that's why my recommendation is to go see it. If you want to see it, like I, this would be so underwhelming to sit and watch on my sound system on my TV, like for something that doesn't have that character right. stuff that is a bit hollow. It literally is an event thing. So go right. see it with the most light and volume and vibration like attacking you from all sides. My my recommendation, e- even though it's a four star, is is on the lighter side simply because for me, the most important part of, of the film experience is the story. And this is light and there's problems. And, you know, there are issues that I've got with, you know, certain characters uh, and decisions that they make. And like I said, just things that don't really feel like there's a reason for them to happen. They just happen because they do. Um, and so these, these are, um, 
these are big story problems that would prevent me from being like, oh yeah, go see it. But but part of the spectacle of it, like you said, is just seeing it with an audience in a big, you know, the biggest screen possible, like um, in 3D. Um, I saw it in 3D. You know, I, I don't think that 3D is like, you know, anything I did, super I didn't important. even know it was still happening. I didn't. Either. I don't think it is. I, like, I literally don't think it was. I think these theaters were like, oh, crap, we have to dust off the 3D lenses. Uh, and and but but it, but for me, it was worth it, like seeing it in 3D, if only because I know that's how James Cameron would prefer me watch it. And right. and that that's always my big thing about. And I think I've said it before on the podcast about the the the, the theatrical experience that I think is invaluable for me, as long as we and so. I'll, I'll preface this by saying I watch a lot of movies via streaming now. I I don't mind that. I have no mm-hmm. problem streaming something at home. I think that that's super convenient. It's usually cheaper. It's just you know even if I have to pay for it, like it's usually still cheaper. Um, it's it's just a, a a a great experience. And I've put a little bit of money anyway, at least into a decent screen and different decent sound. So I, I'm not at a huge loss here. However. Um, for me, the film experience is important because as long as we insist on film being an art and not a disposable thing, we need a place to go to view the art because I can, I can look at a paint. I can look at a, at, a, at the Mona Lisa on my computer screen as much as I want, but it's a completely different experience to see it as, as it is presented, as it actually exists in 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 the Louvre like that's its own thing and that's what makes it art that's what makes it special is that is that the it isn't just the painting it's the experience of the painting being there and being able to see it the way that it is not the way that it's represented seeing it the way that it is and and to me that makes it that makes it special for film, the way that these theaters work now, there's a different conversation to be had on whether the theaters do their job, especially the theater chains. But the way that it's supposed to work is when I go to a theater, any theater, their system should be calibrated to an industry standard whereby when I go, I'm guaranteed to see it the way or as close as I can possibly get it to the way the director intended for me to see it. Um, so it's the closest I can get to seeing the actual Mona Lisa, right? I can see the brush strokes. I can see the depth of the paint on the canvas. I can see that the best way for me to see the colors, the best way for me to experience the sound is to see it on a system that's calibrated specifically to represent it properly. Um, and, and if we forego the theatrical experience altogether and say, well, we'll just watch everything on our phones or, you know, best case scenario on our screens at home, then I think we're contributing to saying film is disposable. Film is not art. Um, it doesn't matter how we represent film. It doesn't matter how we consume film. It's, it's irrelevant and suddenly film's not art anymore um now maybe i'm being dramatic but but i think i think that's the conversation worth having and that that what makes that the presentation of art matters as much as the art itself um because it all contributes to that that consumption of it yeah. so for me 
I recommend people see movies in theaters just in general, but that 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 recommendation it always hinges on whether or not it's worth your money. Um, so for me, in this case, I think this is worth your money, if only because you're going to get something here that you're not going to get anywhere else. There's not another movie out there that's doing what this is doing. Now, do I think this is also a little bit dramatic? Yeah. Like I think in the press saying Kate Winslet learned to hold her breath for seven minutes. I don't care. Why? That makes no sense to me. Yeah, um, there really wasn't necessary. No for it. it wasn't necessary. Good for you. And then they're like, we all had to do scuba training. Why? It doesn't matter. It's animated water. Who cares? Um, but so they're dramatic too. But but the 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 point being they're paid to be dramatic. Um, they're paid to be dramatic. The point the point being, like, I do think you're getting something with this film that you're not getting elsewhere, um, even if that thing is not story. Um, so I still recommend it, but by and large, if I'm gonna recommend a film to you, you can you can bet two things. One, I'm recommending you see it in theaters if possible. And two, I'm recommending it to you because either I know you have a prerequisite interest in the thing or because the story is good. And I try to, to tailor my recommendations for people personally. So, Mm -hmm. so here's the thing I'll put on letterbox, like avatar has four stars, but if I meet somebody, there are some people that I would recommend this to that I wouldn't to others, but I'm going to give it a blanket recommendation. But that's like people I know in my personal life. Like, for instance, if my mom says, should I see Avatar Way of Water? No, 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 you shouldn't. Your grandfather. You're not going to, you're not, you're not, you're not going to gain anything by seeing this in theaters. So no. Um, however, you know, if my brother says, should I see it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I try to gauge that a little bit, uh, you know, and if Downton Abbey comes out, yeah, mom, go see it. I do recommend Avatar The Way of Water, if only for what it gives you visually and audibly. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 um, and and I don't I don't uh, necessarily recommend it for its groundbreaking story. Kellen, you said something earlier about what happened to the 90 minute movie. Yeah, go. So uh, you were talking about seeing James Cameron interviews and stuff or something on 2020, whatever. I saw some I saw some clip where he was like, um, he's like, we were nearing it was he was talking about the first Avatar. I think he was like, we were nearing, you know, the end of production. And when we gave a screening or whatever, um, uh, there was a note from the studio about like, you know, why is this scene of flight or something going on so long? Like like we've we've reached the, the like we we've finished the purpose of what this sequence was for what this scene was for blah 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 and he's like he's like yeah right. and, and he's like and good for you for ticking all the executive boxes or whatever and he's like the reason why it's this long is that i want it to be this long i want to see this and therefore because you know i'm the filmmaker and i'm trusted to you know blah 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 blah, blah other people might want to you know see this as well kind of thing and i was like i i get that I have made executive decisions because uh, it's what I would like to see done in a production. But like, I, I think there is a lot of kowtowing to, to that notion these days. And like, I think it's, it's pretty shitty to say that it's like, 
oh, you're being a good, uh, you know, ticking all the boxes and being a good film critic by saying everything has to be, you know, this thing, this thing, this thing. That's what makes a good film kind of thing. I think that's like defensive behavior because films of this type, like with as little to say as it has, do not need to be three hours like like and and I, I this, I'm coming off of like a couple of years of just really good bones of films, even more than bones, just going staying way beyond their welcome, like the Matt Reeves Batman movie, fantastic Batman movie encapsulated holy shit that needed to be 45 minutes shorter um so watching avatar uh there were a lot of sequences you know swimming with the tulkoons doing all this other stuff i'm like you know james it didn't need to be this long and it's not because i'm a fucking loser and you're the amazing auteur it's (laughs) it's too long it overstays it well it's welcome you're in a fucking like I, I don't know. I, I'm just so grumpy about how I have to look at runtimes of films before I determine whether I'm going to go see them these days. Yeah. And 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 I, you know, my points before Dustin about like I don't need to go to theaters anymore. I'm I'm straight up lying. I go to two movies a month at minimum. I just um, say of all of us, I think you see more movies in theaters. Yeah. And it's because it's because there's a dra- maybe Alamo, John. John. It's because yeah, there's yeah. an Alamo draft house right there. There's one right there. I can get a beer. I can get like Buffalo cauliflower. Like I love the experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I it and when I want to go see the the way that the director probably didn't want somebody coming in front of me with beer and food. But um, yeah. I right. will still go to theaters. But but my point yeah. is run times of films have gotten to a point where I look at that rather than reviews or at least in addition to reviews. And if it is over two and a half hours, I just go, do I really care to see this enough? Yeah. So that's my, that's my old man rant. I, (laughs) uh, point taken. I think, I think after the Lord of the Rings, which I realized was a while ago, there, there came a time, Lord of the Rings won a million Oscars and everyone loved it and it's well received. And to this day, it's a classic, right? And I think what happened in the wake of that was there became this notion that in order for your film to be some sort of prestige uh, film, especially in terms of blockbusters, it it has to be be over two hours. It has to be over two hours because because you're looking at it like, okay, well, this is just a dumb superhero movie. Okay, we'll make it three hours and then suddenly it's art. Yeah, it's It's epic. Yeah, right. It's profound. And, And I and I don't think that that's true. Here's looking at you, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Right. I don't think that there's any reason for these movies to be as long as they are. Um, only very rarely is there enough story to justify that. I do think that there's you know enough story for Lord of the Rings, but not every film is the Lord of the Rings, right? So, in I agree with you. Like this movie, this movie could lose 45 minutes pretty easy. Um, and did, did you feel and, the same way about Batman? The Batman, I, sorry. I, I definitely thought it was too long. I, I, I've only seen it the once. It's been a while. I need to watch it again, but, um, I, I watched it again and it felt even more egregious because Batman yeah. had the Batman had three endings and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings had like six endings. That was like a big meme when it came out. But, um, but yeah, I think that that was, um, yeah, I think that just kind of like came into play after that, that everyone was like, oh, we need to make it longer. Longer, longer means it's more 
special. And um, and then you can kind of trick yourself to be like, oh, it's worth my money. And it's, it's more bang for my buck. But the truth is like, yeah, most of the time you're just getting more junk for your buck, right? Like there is a difference between going to a restaurant and paying $12 and it's got seven meat patties on it. And you're like, that's more bang for my buck. But then you're dead by bite six. And so it's like, I don't I don't want this anymore. See, I, was, um, I would take the ana- analogy and say it's like if they just put the two burger patties on it, but then like put meat substitute patties on the rest of it. Like it's filler. <laughs> like it's all filler. Look at all this lettuce. My extension of that metaphor is I'll take all the patties, but I'm going to like save the other ones and eat them later. Like for me, it's like, if you've got four hours of story, why don't you just make this a mini series? Like I, I, economics aside of why that doesn't, why that isn't a thing. So you want one burger a week. What? (laughs) You'd rather have one burger a week than one big burger. To me, it's almost like, look, I completely understand if you think you have enough material to justify a three or four hour film. Like, I don't want to be the one to be like, look, you know. You can't because his James Cameron's whole point to that that question was or to that, that that critic point was like because it's fun because it's fun and people want to see a, a, an extended flying sequence and and it's fun it's like okay that's fine that's subjective like, to, to well, you, right so like to me it's like okay well if anyone gets to decide it is you because you're the director so instead of telling you no director don't do that I'm just gonna say listen that's fine but you add up that decision x amount of times you got a four hour movie. And at that point, it's just like from a storytelling perspective and how long are you asking people to sit and watch this? Like, I don't personally like my capacity to sit and watch things without stopping for one reason or another is almost non-existent. So when I watch movies, I'm just like you, Dustin, I have been for almost 10 years now. I can seldom watch a film start to finish without stopping either because I'm tired or because my kids need something or because my lunch break is over or, you know, whatever else, like I'm just out of time or my phone ran out of battery, whatever it is. So like you're in a theater and you're three quarters through the film and it's like getting to the climax and you're like, I can't hold it anymore. I have to pee. (laughs) I have to pee during all of these long ass movies. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's just too much of my time. And like, so I can't imagine getting a babysitter and trying to go to a movie on a date. Like you're, you're, you're you have to pay someone for five hours of their time just to go watch a movie. And yeah. so for me, it's like I, I the problem just gets solved by you know the market and by genre and by all those other things. Like you know we're gonna have you know I, I love Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame. Those are both three hour long movies, roughly, and. I think that their length is justified because of everything they're doing, but those are special cases where it's like, these are gigantic ensembles and lots of storylines and lots of closure and stuff. That's different. But you know, a film like Thor love and thunder does not need to well exist, but it does not need to be, (laughs) you know, two and a half hours long. It can be a hundred minutes long. There's no reason it needs to be that long for one camera. I just did this one character yeah you know that's a really good point like i probably would cut the mcu films like you know the the individual um the solo films could be solo films i would 20 minutes cut them a lot of 20 minutes if they were 100 minute films yeah yeah if they were like this new ant-man coming out and i'm like oh there's stuff and all the oh that's gonna be two and a half hours 
Yeah. And so like with Ant-Man, I'll see that in theaters, but like I, I will make that an experience. I'll order, I'll order my whiskey like I do. I might order like my little plate of French fries with a little truffle salt. And I love all that. You know, that's, that's nice. It's so perky. I love that. But like, but, if, but that's for, you know, an event film that I'm excited to see. Like, this, I, you know, this is what turns me off of the Marvel series and the Star Wars series is like, I don't want to sit through a three hour Marvel movie anymore. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't want to sit through an eight hour one on on disney plus you know what i mean like i i even if you piecemeal it and give it to me in 40 minute increments i don't i don't want to do that it's not even about my time at that point it's i have to devote six hours of my life to this character i don't i don't want to do that i just don't and and that's the adverse effect of like all this stuff is like I know everyone says Andor is good, but I'm like, I have given Star Wars so much of my time. I I just cannot bring myself to give it another second. I can't do it. Not right now. Give me some more time, maybe. But like right now, I just, I'm not doing it. No, you can't make me sit down and watch Andor. And, and, um, I I don't know. I've got, I've got this like dichotomy happening where it's like, I want to watch this Jack Ryan show with John Krasinski because I was thinking about it too. It just dropped its fourth season and people have said like, it's good. And I'm cause in the early days I was like, I'm going to give it a couple seasons and see how the critics talk about it before I waste time. And now I'm like, Oh, but that's four seasons. That's a lot of time. It's, 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 it's both. It's like, I want to wait. And now I'm like, but there's too much already. It's going to take me so long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Dustin, yeah, you, you know how weird. cynical I am, and this, I'll touch on this very briefly. I, I trust me when I say that Andor d- Star Wars doesn't deserve it. Okay, so Colin, right. I, if nothing else, I plan to watch Andor at some point. So if Dustin doesn't, you and I can. can oh, talk okay. About at it. least one, at least one of you, and we can talk about it. <laughs> Star Wars doesn't deserve the quality of the product that Andor ended up being. Um, well, if y'all are going to review it, maybe I will, but I don't know. If it's not, just it, like, like if you man. don't end up watching it, we'll just do it in October when you're in Savannah, and we'll just make there you it. go. <laughs> we'll do it. I'm when just you're like, here. man, I I I don't I can't do another six hours. Like if if we were to be giving review like star reviews, I would give I probably give it a four four. There was another show four. where I was like, okay, I could watch this. It was Parks and Recreation, and I and I know full well that it's probably worth my time. Like you've never watched Parks and Rec. I've never yeah, seen Parks it. Parks and Rec is great. Right. But to me, it's like, that's going to be so much. Like I, I've, I'm at the point now where I can't watch multiple TV shows at the same time. So to me, it's like, do I really want to watch this to the exclusion of everything else? And probably the answer is yes, but it's like, uh, wait, it's wait a minute. Daunting. Dustin, have you seen Parks and Rec? Oh yeah. I love Parks yeah. and Rec. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. That's yeah. one of my favorite comedies. Like, uh, I, yeah. I, it's in my top I, five. I love Parks and Rec. No, yeah. that's the thing. I, I know how good it probably is, but it's just like, yeah, it's fantastic. But then I'm like, why? Like, like it's Pat, like who can I, t- I can oh, only talk it. I can only talk about it, it is, with one person. Yeah. It does fall in that annoying shit where it's like the first season's pretty rough. In my it opinion. Is. Right. That's what yeah, And heard. that's ne- you so. never want to hear. That's the very, that's the thing you hear and you go, cool. I'll try it. Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I genuinely think you could just skip the first season. Like I think, really? I think you'll, you'll miss a few things that you probably do need, but and whatever Connor's probably but, heard this a million times he's like i know i know, I yeah. know. But, but it's like it's like yeah that one just took a minute to get on its feet but it, yeah. it, it did end up being really good yeah 
don't know. Maybe we'll see one day. You'd wonder why I think my time is so valuable. I don't have kids. I got nothing going on. It makes sense for you guys, but I'm like, I don't want to shit for a three hour movie. I've got so many important things to do. Well, you still, like, you, you still have respect. You still have like self. I'm speaking for myself, by the way, Dustin. You still have self respect and 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 value your time. I only it was only after my fourth kid where I was like, hey, I, I think I want to do some things for myself. And like, <laughs> but my time, <laughs> my time was here, and I was like, I don't think I like all this uh, obligation yeah. I've got. <laughs> and so I've got yep. it to like here. Yeah. Yep. Now I'm depressed. Um, so let's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's end it there. So uh cool. Well, thanks. Don't end it on now I'm depressed. <laughs> That's not how you end a podcast. Um, one of us. One of one us. Of us. <laughs> Google, gobble, Google, gobble. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love the the, the the last thing from our Avatar Way of Water review is and I'm, no, depressed. I'm depressed. <laughs> 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 and you didn't even see the movie. <laughs>